Daniel chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. We'll begin with just the first three verses. Hear now the word, the living God. In the first year of Darius, the son of of Ahasuerus, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. This is the word of the living God, and together we say, Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. Let us pray and ask the Lord's blessing on the preaching of his word. Living God, now we pray that you might speak to us through your son by the spirit, that the preaching of the word of Christ would be the word of Christ to his people. Bless us, O now, we pray, our Lord, in Jesus name. Amen. Daniel was a man who prayed while he waited. We have been journeying through the book of Daniel, and we too are a people who ought to be praying while we wait. Daniel was a man who was in a land that didn't look perfectly and completely, or at times at all, like God's people and God's ways. Similarly, we are a people who find ourselves as God's covenant people in a land in a world that so often does not look like the King of kings and Lord of lords in his ways. Daniel was in exile. First Peter 1 says that we as Christians are in exile. And here today we learn, in the midst of all of these visions and dreams that Daniel is receiving, we learn how to pray while we wait. You see, Daniel in chapter 9 writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, records for us a prayer. We've had two chapters of visions, and we will have more. But here, in this first year of Darius, in that first year, really, of the transition of kingdoms, Daniel prays. Notice what verse 3 says. It says, Then I set my face toward the Lord God. Think about the language there. Not just I kneeled to pray, Not just I happened to pray, but I set my face toward the Lord God. I sought Him. My direction was before Him to make requests, prayer, and asking of Him things. Even with fasting and old covenant pictures of repentance and grief and crying out to the Lord, sackcloth and ashes. Notice the intentionality. And the earnestness of his prayer. But of course, this shouldn't surprise us by now, should it? Daniel was a man of prayer. Daniel chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. We see that Daniel was a man of prayer. I think for us, living some 2,500 years later as Christians, as God's people now in Christ, we can learn several things about praying in exile. Praying while we wait. Some of the details will, of course, be different. 
But the pattern that we see here is one that we ought to follow. Now, if you're new to the things of the Bible, let me just kind of give you a little bit of some orientation. The book of Daniel was written about 500, 550 years or so, give or take, before Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. Daniel was a member of God's old covenant people, the Hebrews, who had received many promises from God, beginning with Abraham way back in Genesis chapter 12. And much of the Old Testament is following that promise that there will one day come a savior, the seed of the woman who would crush the head of the serpent. And so prophets and kings and priests all fill the pages of the Old Testament until this location. And in each and every way that they do their work, they picture what Jesus, the coming Messiah, will be like. So we haven't gotten to Jesus yet in the Bible, but the promise is there. But you need to know that we're at a period of time in the Old Testament where it seems like God may not keep his promise from a human perspective. The people of God have disobeyed God. They have broken covenant with God and they have been removed from that special land that God gave them. The land which the Messiah must come. There are no real sacrifices. There's no real temple. There are handfuls of people like Daniel who are praying. But Israel, Judah, the people of God are at their lowest. Will God keep covenant? Can we expect God's mercy anymore? Maybe that's where you are today. Maybe your particular station in exile here as a believer is that you're going through a season of life where you're wondering, can I even go to God anymore? Will he even be merciful to me? It seems as though God's mercies and even his ear toward me in prayer is all gone. But Daniel prays. He's received, of course, various visions that we've seen. But here we get a a record of his prayer. I think we see four things this morning, four things that we can copy, we can emulate, boys and girls, four different things that we can think about as we, as Jesus's people, pray. Notice, firstly, then this morning that we ought to be praying according to God's word, praying according to God's word. Notice what starts this whole thing. Daniel says he sets his face toward the Lord God to make request by prayer. What starts this whole thing? Well, specifically, Daniel was reading his Bible. That's what started this whole thing. Look at the first couple of verses. In the first year of his reign, verse 2, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Now, if you're not familiar with the Old Testament, what's happening here is Daniel saying, God spoke, God gave his word through Jeremiah, which is another Old Testament prophet and another Old Testament book. And through Jeremiah, before it happened, God gave the promise that the years of desolation, the years of exile, the years of being away from the promised land, would be 70 years. Turn over to the book of Jeremiah, if you will. Jeremiah chapter 25. 
Jeremiah chapter 25, verses 11 and 12. This is a prophetic word of what would come. Daniel, reading his Bible, understands and prays. Look at Jeremiah 25, verse 11. And this whole land shall be in desolation and an astonishment, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Then it will come to pass, when 70 years are completed, that I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, for their iniquity, says the Lord, and I will make it a perpetual desolation. Or turn over a few pages to Jeremiah 29, verse 10 and 11. Jeremiah 29, verses 10 and 11. For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call on me. And go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. So Daniel takes up the word, sees the promises of God, and he prays. And note, brothers and sisters, that Daniel, who had very high experiences with God. This is the Daniel that God has clearly gifted. This is the Daniel that God's work has been clear in as he's preserved his life. This is the Daniel who would receive visions from the living God. And yet, he takes up the Word of God and studies it. This ought to be a lesson for us. We live in a day when many people think, you know, I need special experiences to really feel close to God. I know there's the Bible, but I really need special experiences. I really need mountaintop moments. God, in His mercy and grace, may give you wonderful mountaintop moments. They won't be like receiving visions from the living God. However, He will give us, oftentimes, moments where we feel close to Him. Moments where we feel like we're growing. But even Daniel, the man who hears revelation from God, studies the Word. He picks up the books of the prophet Jeremiah. And he reads... And he prays. Brothers and sisters, notice that there's a year of time mentioned here, 70 years. This is what caused Daniel to pray. Now he's an old man. Now he's towards the end of his life. He looks all around him and it may not seem as though God is going to perform his word. But he takes up the specific promises of God and sets to prayer. There's a lesson here for us, brothers and sisters. When we are walking through our pilgrimage here in Babylon, the world in which we live, the world that is hostile to God, we ought to consider this pattern of taking up God's word and praying according to God's promises. What are some of the promises that God has given believers? What are some of the promises even that have yet to come to pass? There are promises that are with us day by day. I will never leave you nor forsake you. How often do you pray according to that promise? Lord, today is a very tragic day in my life, but you have said you will never leave me nor forsake me. Lord, today is a very troubling day in this land or in my home or in my family, but you have said 
That nothing can separate us from your love in Christ Jesus. Lord, you have said that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. Lord, it doesn't look like that. The nations are raging, Lord. Persecution abounds, O Lord. Wickedness is rising, it seems, O Lord. Honoring your name is at a low, O Lord. But you have said the very kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. Take up the word, brothers and sisters, and pray according to the promises of God. Daniel takes up the word of God through the prophet Jeremiah. He says, God is going to visit us again. It will be 70 years. God is going to visit us soon. So verse 3 says he sets his face toward the Lord God. Now we might not think in our minds much about asking God to keep his promises. God doesn't need our prayers in order to keep his promises. God has made a promise and it will come to pass. We don't make God's promises come to pass through our prayers. It's not as though God's promises are hanging in the balance, teetering. Will there be enough prayer for God's promises to come true? Rather, God's promises are a rock-solid foundation for our prayers. What motivates our prayers is that God, the one who hears us, has promised us mercy and grace and covenant love and never-forsaking presence all of our days. So we ought to be praying according to the word. But there's a second thing that we see in this text as we continue to read it, and that is praying with confession of sin. Praying with confession of sin. As we continue, we will read the contents of Daniel's prayer, picking up in verse four. And I prayed to the Lord, my God, and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments, we have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. O Lord, a righteousness belongs to you, but to us, shame of face. Some of your translations may say confusion of face. As it is this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, those near and those far off in all the countries to which you have driven them because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. Verse 8, O Lord, to us belongs shame of face, to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so as not to obey your voice. Therefore, the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, has been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. And he has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our judges who judged us by bringing upon us a great disaster. For under the whole heaven, such has never been done as what has been done to Jerusalem. 
You ever feel like because of your sin, because of the sin of your family, you've experienced great and difficult trying circumstances? Daniel prays, verse 13, as it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us. Yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord, our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept the disaster in mind and brought it upon us. The Lord, our God, is righteous in all the works which he does, though we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name as it is this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. Daniel prays with confession. Matthew Poole, the Puritan of the 1600s, writing on this passage, says this, quote, in our confessions of sin to God, there must be no mincing nor cloaking of sin but a full and naked discovery with self-judging and self-abhorrence. And then notice, notice what Poole says. Note here, all along after, this holy man Daniel puts himself in the number of the greatest sinners. So when we are suppliants and penitents, boys and girls, those who ask things of God or confess sins to God, we must include ourselves in the general petition. End quote. Daniel is a man who belongs to a covenant people. He prays rightly and confesses sin. I want us to notice several components of Daniel's confession. Verse 5, notice that he confesses that the people have forsaken God's commands. When we pray with confession, we ought to consider whether we have broken any of God's commandments. Verse 5 says this. Look at verse 10, the second or the first part. He says it again. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws. In praying with confession, we confess breaking God's commandments. It really is okay, brothers and sisters, to say, Lord, the third commandment says to honor your name and your attributes and your glory. And I have failed you in that this week. I have broken your law. But you have sent your son to pay for that sin. Would you forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness? Oftentimes, our confession, brothers and sisters, is not very specific. Daniel prays with confession. Noting that the people have forsaken God's commandments. But notice in verse 6, he also confesses that the people have forsaken God's word. Look there at verse 6. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. You ever looked back on the preaching of God's word or the reading of God's word that you have done in previous eras of your life that you didn't follow? Lord, you sent this pastor, you sent this elder, you sent this time in your word, and I read it, but I forsook your word. I didn't follow your word. Daniel confesses that the people have forsaken God's commandments, but they've also forsaken God's word. He reiterates that again in verse 10, the second part. Look there with me. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Prophets were sent, and God's people didn't heed them. 
But, you know, there's a third thing that Daniel confesses, really praying on behalf of the covenant people of God, the old covenant people of God, the people under the Mosaic covenant, waiting for the promised one who would come and bring a new covenant. Daniel confesses thirdly and finally that the people have not repented. You ever prayed? Repenting for, confessing the fact that you hadn't previously repented. Look at Daniel's prayer in verse 13. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this desire has come upon us, yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. And didn't God say in those verses that we read from Jeremiah that he would hear their prayers? That his people would turn to them in prayer? God's people would turn and pray to him? See, Daniel is concerned that genuine repentance seems to be lacking. Lord, not only have we broken your commands, we've forsaken your word, and we haven't repented of any of it. Notice, too, that it's not the consequences of sin that are his primary focus. God's name. God's glory. So often, when consequences come upon us for our sins, it's those consequences that we pray about. But here, verse 14, Daniel makes clear that God is righteous to bring consequences upon us. But the prayer of confession that Daniel makes is a prayer confessing sin against a holy God on behalf of His covenant people. Now, brothers and sisters, I don't think we ought to press this text too far, but I just want to leave you with a picture. Daniel, a faithful, not sinless, but faithful one, is praying on behalf of a covenant people. Will there ever be one who is utterly faithful, who will pray always and forever on behalf of God's new covenant people? Yes, there will be. The Lord Christ. You could make the argument that what we see here in Daniel is a small picture of what Christ will do perfectly and completely. Not confessing His own sin. Constantly interceding to God on behalf of all the sinners for whom He died. Well, notice the focus on God's glory. On who God is and God's righteousness as He confesses. If you read verses 5 through 9, notice the focus on God's name. Well, let's turn to verses 16 and following. Just listen for the pronouns. Listen for the pronouns. Verse 16. O Lord, according to all your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because of our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers. Jerusalem and your people are a reproach to all those around us. Now, therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications. And for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear to hear and open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. I hope you're seeing the pattern here. 
Prayers of confession are to and about and grounded in the living God and his name and his glory. Notice what he says. Verse 18, for we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God. For your city and your people are called by your name. Brothers and sisters, we are in a different time. We are in a different exile. But Daniel's pattern of praying according to the word of God revealed and praying with confession is a pattern that we ought to follow. Now, to be clear, brothers and sisters, As God's new covenant people, we don't take on the sins of others and pray for them. Meaning, we don't pray, Lord, that person sinned, but I'm confessing it to you on their behalf. That's not what we do. But it seems like that's what Daniel does. Look at the pronouns in verse 5. We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled. There is a sense in which, at times, it is right to confess and to pray, Lord, your church is torn asunder. Lord, your church is in error. We, Lord God, your new covenant people, have failed you in this way. Of course, there are regular moments to confess our own sin. Daniel here, as a part of the exiled people, is praying with confession and praying according to the word of God. But I want you to notice before we finish a third thing. He's praying with covenant boldness. He's praying with covenant boldness. Just two particular verses. Look at verse 3. It says that he sets his face toward the Lord God. And then in verse 4 we read these words. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said. And what does he say at the beginning of his prayer? O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. Daniel is about to pour out prayers, confessing that the people of God, God's covenant people, have been failures. But he doesn't start with their covenant failure. He starts with God's covenant faithfulness. Look at again another example, the very end of our section, chapter 9, verse 18. Oh, my God, incline your ear and hear, open your eyes and see our desolations and the city which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. Daniel prays with the word of God in view. He prays according to God's word. He prays with confession. But he prays with a covenant boldness. Here's what I mean. Daniel sees himself as a man who is in covenant with a God who keeps covenant. Now we can parse out the various understandings of the covenant in Scripture. I tend to think that what's happening here is that Daniel, a member of the Old Covenant, one who bears the Abrahamic covenant in his flesh, one who's a part of God's covenant with the Old Covenant people through Moses, 
to obey. Disobedience would bring removal from the land and curse. But Daniel is also a man, I believe, who understands that these various covenants are pointing to God's promise to bring about a new covenant. He prays, understanding that God is faithful to his covenant arrangements. Now, why does this matter? Daniel lived and died 2,500 years ago. Maybe you're thinking, well, okay, I get it. He prayed. Jesus eventually came. I see. But there's more than that here for us, brothers and sisters. When you pray prayers of confession, when you cry out to the living God with your needs, with your doubts, you can pray to God as the God who has great mercy and who keeps covenant. You want a summary of the covenant terms that you are in with your God? Read Hebrews chapter 8, verses 6 and following. This statement here, we do not present our supplications to you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies, is a forever bomb for Christians praying, repenting of sin. You don't present your prayers of confession. You don't pray prayers of repentance to God based on your righteous deeds, or might I add, your righteous feelings. You pray to the living God because of His great mercies. The qualification to come to God in prayer with your confession of sin or with your need in moments of joy or in moments of sorrow. The qualification is never your righteous deeds. It's never whether you feel good about it or not. Have you ever sat down in the morning or at the close of the day and you're praying to the Lord and all day you've been meditating on His Word or you've heard a sermon or you've read various passages and you just feel close to God and the prayer is just flowing. Doesn't it feel to you in that moment like you really connected with God? In those moments, God really heard my prayer. Because I was in a righteous place. I had done righteous deeds that day. I had read my Bible and I had done all the things necessary. But why does it seem like when you haven't read your Bible... When you haven't listened to sermons, when you haven't been fellowshipping with God's people, and you're pricked in your heart with conviction, why does it seem so hard to you, for, for you and me to go to the living God? Is it perhaps because there is a sense in our soul deep down that we believe that part of our approach to God is based on some kind of righteous deed in our own posture? We do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. The God that was merciful to the old covenant people of God and eventually brought them back to the land of Jerusalem. The God that was merciful to Daniel as he prayed is the God to whom you pray and his mercies have not ceased. In fact, they are new every morning. You pray with covenant boldness. Because you say, the living God, the triune God, has condescended to me. He has come down to me through the person and work of His Son. His Son brings about a covenant. All of the arrangements of the the covenant are accomplished in Him. 
Jesus makes it so that my sins have been washed away. That my standing before the Lord is in Christ and not my own. That He has placed His law in my heart. That He has promised to bring me through the process of sanctification on to glory. And as one who is in covenant with God, I pray confession of sin. Brothers and sisters, let me say it more bluntly than this. Stop waiting. Stop waiting for righteous deeds and so-called righteous feelings to come to your God. Pray with a boldness that literally lists before God who God is. God, you are merciful. You have pricked me in my soul. I realize I've been in sin today. Or I realize that I've been in sin for the last three years. And Lord, you have revealed your righteous law to my heart again. And as one who is in covenant with you, I repent. You have wonderful emotions. Praise the Lord. If you don't, fall on your face before him based on his great mercies. So Daniel prays with covenant boldness. But lastly, brothers and sisters, Daniel prays for God's glory. Isn't it interesting that Jesus would do this in the garden shortly before going to the cross? But I want you to see one particular part of this. We just read verses 16 through 19 and heard all of the times that God's name was referenced. The word your is just filling those verses. But he prays with a view for God's glory. Look at verse 17. Now, therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications. And for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. Let me read that one more time. Now, therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications and for the Lord's sake. Cause your face to shine on your sanctuary. Which is desolate. Is Daniel praying and for your sake? Or is he particularly referencing the Lord's sake for a particular reason? I'm glad you asked. Listen to what John Gill, the Reformed Baptist of the 1700s, said about this passage. Quote, that is... For Christ's sake, who is Lord of all, especially of his chosen people by creation, redemption and marriage, as well as by their own consent and profession. And for whose sake and in whose name all requests are to be made known to God, he being the only mediator between God and man. And for the sake of whose blood, righteousness and mediation, all the blessings of goodness are given unto men. And who also was Lord and proprietor of the temple? And was to come into it as well as was 
the antitype of it. Notice the language. Daniel is praying for God's glory, yes, but for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, your temple, which is desolate. John Gill is saying the phrase, the Lord's sake, is referencing Christ who was to come. So does the Puritan Matthew Poole. Some of the older commentators are saying Daniel is praying that God's face would shine on his sanctuary for the sake of the one who was to come. Lord, bring about what you have promised so that the Lord will come. Why would Daniel care? I think Daniel knew, not with all the details, but Daniel knew that eventually one would come from his own people. The seed of his great-great-great-grandfather, Abram. That this one would enter into his temple. This one would be the ultimate Savior of his people. This one would be the bearer of sin. And that Daniel, without a name in view, is making his prayers and petitions on the very back of the Son of God. Now, friend, you might be here and you might be thinking, oh, this is helpful. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll start praying the way these Christians do. I'll start thinking about God's Word. Maybe confessing some sins. The Bible commands you to pray. So yes, take up and pray. But if you're here and you're, you're not in Christ, you haven't come to see this Lord that Daniel references, this Messiah, this God who put on flesh and lived a perfect life and died for sins, who literally took on the sins of all the people who would ever trust in Him, And as the scripture says, was made to be sin. The one who knew no sin was made to be sin for us. That in him we might become the righteousness of God. Then your very first cries of prayer to God need to be prayers crying out that he would save you by his son. You trusted in Christ. Are you leaning on him? Is it His righteousness that is the basis of your standing before God? Or are you praying in a way that Daniel doesn't pray? Are you praying based on your own standing, your own righteousness? Notice what Daniel says again. It's not because of our righteous deeds for their lacking. Daniel was a gospel man. Daniel knew that his only hope before the living God was that this living God would have mercy to sinners. Do you hear the voice of His Spirit today through His Word revealing to you that you too, like Daniel, like me, like all the men and women of the Bible except Christ who are sinners, do you hear, friend, through the Word in your very soul that you're a sinner and that you're separated from God and that your standing of works will not save you? Do you take up these words with Christ on your lips, Lord, because of Christ who died for sinners? Would you forgive me? Would you hear my pleas? Or are you going to leave here today praying in a way that Daniel wouldn't even recognize? Lord, I come to you. Here I am. 
I have done some things wrong, but I'm coming to you anyway. That's not how Daniel prays. Lord, my only hope of coming to you is that you are a God that is known by mercy. So much mercy that you eventually sent your son to die for Daniel and for every person who ever trusts in him, the living Christ. And believers, we can take up this ancient text and we can say, even though much has happened since Daniel's day, we can say, we wait. We look around and wonder, when is the end going to come? And while we're in exile, we too can pray according to God's word and every last promise therein. We pray with confession on our lips. We can pray with covenant boldness, relying on God's mercy. And we pray for God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, in many places in your word, you've taught us to pray. Our Lord and Savior taught us to pray. Many of the same themes that we see here. Your glory and your name. And Lord, we are reminded even as we look at this word that we are sinners in need of a Savior And those of us in this place who know Christ rejoice because you have made known to our souls who he is. But Lord, may we take up this word today as we leave this place and pray and be strengthened in our prayers. Pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.